Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins. And today I'm here with an old co-host. And yes. also uh, that would be Mr. Eric Geiger. We should cue some kind of music there. Maybe I'll give you a horn. Like a- Don't you want to call him his highest holiness or doctor? He's a little bitter that nobody called him doctor. He worked hard for that degree. I think we should give him the degree. Uh, doctor so Eric Geiger. Uh, the voice that you hear there is the the right reverend, Kenton yeah. Beachor. Uh, and right. He, he uh, has been at Mariners for 35 years as senior pastor, and now is there as uh, Pastor Emeritus. And I'm super excited today because we are talking about a very, very, very important issue um, to our churches, to the church, really. And that is um, uh, about transition and pastoral succession and what does that look like and how is it done well? And, you know, there's no, there's probably no perfect pastoral succession or pastoral transition. Um, but we want to unpack this one because uh, we can, <laughs> uh, because you guys know Eric really well um, from hosting uh, the podcast for a number of years, a couple years anyway. Um, we've broken down, you know, different leadership books. We've talked about succession. We've talked about culture. We've talked about all these things. So um, I'm super excited to have Eric on today as well as Kenton just to allow them kind of uh, uh, for them to allow us a look into um, what that's been like for them the last couple of years. So excited to have you guys on. Man, it's good. It's good. I'm just thinking it's great. It's fun to introduce old friends and new friends, man. I am um, a bit nostalgic, missing the uh, the time sitting in the studio with you, all the conversations we had, but I love love serving here with Kenton. And so it's it, I have enjoyed in the, the pre-conversation listening to you two interact because I know I, you would love, you both would love hanging out with each other. So this is fun for me. I can already tell we would have a good time, mostly at your expense. Uh, That's true. I, I did pick up on that, <laughs> which might be even more fun. We could bring my wife Amy, and then it would really be a party. That's true. <laughs> and and didn't she get better grades than he did in seminary? Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah. All right. Uh, this is this is my wife. So Eric was our pastor for a while, and maybe on an occasion or, or so, she might come back and like not you know publicly. Uh, most of the time, but would maybe come back and say, I'm not really sure that you handled this text. <laughs> she did pay better attention in class than, than, than both of us did. That is true. I'm not joking, man. I'm not. She's sharp. She's diesel. All right. Um, well, okay. I, I want to, first of all, um, there are some of our listeners that know Mariner's Church and some don't. So, Kenton, I would love for you to give us a history of Mariner's Church, just to give us a, a context. Okay, quick bullet points. The church started around 1970. First pastor, Joe Aldridge, wrote a book called Lifestyle Evangelism, which is the most quoted book in uh, Contagious Christian Curriculum. So, That had a huge impact on uh, that book. Uh, I came in 1978 as a college pastor. So the church was still small, kind of a local church. And Joe left probably five, six months after I came. What's important about that is then Mariners hired uh, three 
six, three senior pastors and all six sessions went bad. Every one of those went bad. So the first one came, actually split the church. Then they went through a second hiring and bringing in a second senior pastor. That one went bad. And I was, and then the next one went bad. And I actually was a part of Mariners and then left in 84 and then was hired back as a senior pastor in 84. So for the purpose of this discussion is I got to see three uh, pastor transitions that all went very bad. And then, uh, then I came in 84. My first Sunday was 223 people. And so I got to uh, lead the church where, you know, we got to re-envision the church and then created momentum, got to then had to find uh, land to buy and then build a building and then sell that land, then go to a new space, buy more land, build buildings, then started uh, video venues. And then we did campuses and then planted churches. And so had lots of really fun experiences to when it came time to do a transition. Uh, I think we had about five campuses. We decided to spin those out so that the new guy, when he came in, would not have uh, that because those campuses were run by independent senior pastors, but we were under one board. We felt like that was too complicated to hand off. So we um, had just this one campus we have, which is 50 acres and it's got a 3,400 seat uh, auditorium along with a second auditorium that's a chapel that seats about 300. So, And for those of, the, of you that don't know, uh, the location of Mariners is basically, uh, you remember the creation, you know. Yeah, it's in paradise. It is. It's, it's, uh, it's the first uh, aspect of the new of the new heaven and earth. <laughs> That's right. It's the, it's the early well, glimpse of it. Okay, but another way to think about it is this: you know, I work in probably what is and did, and now and Eric has embraced what is one of a very challenging ghettos because a ghetto is a is a, a place where there people are stuck without options, and of di there's many different kinds of ghettos. This is a rich person's ghetto, which Jesus identified as one of the hardest places for people to come to know Jesus because the rich is blind to them. So while it's beautiful, it's also dangerously deceptive and, and keeps people from really understanding the good news of Jesus. So good. All right. Uh, now, Eric, um, what what do you most appreciate about the history of Mariners as you've, you know, you've been there for a while now, you've, you've come to know and love uh, the staff and the people and the history of that church? What are some of those things that you would draw out um, from that history? What do you most appreciate? Yeah, I'm glad you asked it. Is that I can, I can pull out several things because it's hard to only pull out one. I wanted to come to a place in conversation about secession. I would not have wanted to come to a place where there would be uh, a misalignment in the, the values beneath the surface in the history and a misalignment with uh, who I am as a leader and, and the, the passions that the Lord's given me. And so I could tell from early conversations with Kenton and, and with the, the search team that interviewed me and then all the documents that they sent, sent me that it felt in many ways that I, like I was reading things that I had myself written or thought. Kenton's mentor was John Stott and John Stott's like, 
I've never met him. You know, he's, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but he wrote the, in my mind, the most definitive work on the atonement, the cross of Christ, the most definitive work on preaching between two worlds and the most definitive work on mission, Christian mission, in the 21st century. So, I mean, very few theologians, you know, cross ologies. He did missiology, uh, preaching ecclesiology. And then also he, he, um, he has the work on missiology. So, I knew early that there was tons of um, alignment. And so what I, in the first year, I, I think what I've really appreciated the, the most would be, gosh, I mean, three things come off the, the top, the top of my head, the, the, the belief to really on, when we gather in on the weekend worship services to just give people Jesus over and over again. One example of that would be um, Kenton saying, Hey, just so you know, I've never did like a, a big state of the church vision Sunday, just because there's regular people who show up and they don't care about the organization. They, they just want to know if this Bible and if who you preach about has any application for, for, for my life this week. And I, that's, I love that. And, and, and so we, you know, we shared things that vision dripped into the messages, but just the belief of every single week we're going to gather and we're going to point people to Jesus. It's in our mission, inspire people to follow Jesus. Uh, that's one. Another is Kenton's belief when he was hired as senior pastor 35 years or 36 years ago now, uh, he, he brought a value that every believer has a, has a ministry. Every believer is a minister. And Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, Todd, you know, that's a big verse for you. <laughs> So that's, that's, that's in the church's DNA. Uh, it's always hard as a church grows when a church gets the size that Mariners, it's really hard to fight to hold that because you start having resources that allows you to hire things away, but it's beneath the, it's in the culture. And then the, the third would be long before it was, uh, it was cool. And long before it was written about Kenton and, and Lori, his wife, they were, they were deeply involved in finding pains and hurt in the community, in the city of Orange County, and also around the world, uh, stepping into the pains of the poor, caring for the marginalized. Um, long before the missional church conversation um, or social justice was talked about as um, a term in evangelicalism, Kenton and Lori did that and that built that into the, the, the DNA of the church. And so... Those are the things that just those three, Jesus every week, hand ministry away to people, engage people in the pains of the world around us. Those those three have been have been um, so fun to be a part of. That's good. That's good. All right, um, man, I'm not going to ask a ton of follow up questions because you guys are already just dripping gold. So I'm going to go to the second question. And that is what has been easy to transition and what has been hard? And that's a, really a question for both of you, because I'm sure there's some things that are, you know, uh, Kenton for you that are easier to hand off and, and some things that are more difficult to let go of. Right. At the same time, Eric, you know, some things are more easy to pick up and some things are, are, are harder to, um, and I hope those align, but Let's talk about that. You know, can, um, yeah. what, what's no, I can answer that. So yeah, easy. what's easy is Todd, I think what's most important to understand about the transition and succession is I was around a group of people, mostly from Bob Buford that kept asking the question, 
how are you going to transition these large churches that were growing through the uh, 90s? The question was, what is transition going to look like? And there was no models. And so I think it was Buford who challenged me to say, you know, what are you going to do? So 17 years ago, I got a group of men in my church that had successfully transitioned their business and one woman. And so I met with uh, four of them, three guys, one gal, and Lori and I, my wife met 17 years ago with them. And they met with me every year for 17 years to talk about what is a healthy transition. And so what made our transition easy is this, when you meet with guys that have made a transition and you're asking them what makes a healthy transition, the number one question they ask is what they ask legacy questions. Who do you want to be when it's time to make the transition? What do you want the church to look like? What do you want said about you? What is it that you want to hand off? And I met with them for a couple hours, just once a year. But when you answer that question every year, you really are focused on the most important questions, who you want to be, what you want said about you, where you want the church to be. And as a result of that, as it got closer, I began to write down lots of things. So we had a, a really complete DNA, um, uh, who we are, what is our DNA? You know, you're, obviously everybody knows their mission, vision, values, strategy, but <clears throat> ours was really clear because part of it is I, we wanted to be the most clear about who we are because when you're talking succession, you're basically, you know, asking a church to marry another pastor and it is kind of like a marriage. And so you have to be, really clear on who you are. And not only that, you have to, because you want the person to choose you for who you are. So our goal was to be clear and then also to be attractive to the next pastor. So, and, and it turned out great because we had really complete documents, DNA, vision, mission, values, you know, history. And even as it came close to succession, there were things that weren't super clean that we, I got real intentional about cleaning up because I realized, you know, when it came down to it, there was going to be three or four, you know, pastors. We wanted to be the most attractive to those pastors, which it turned out great because with Eric, Eric had a great opportunity for more money than what our church, you know, was. And he had other options. But I think part of what made it easy is we were clear on who we were. So when Eric came in, it, you know, and talking with him, it was easy to know where he fit. And if there were places that he didn't, where there was a little bit of difference. And so we had huge compatibility. So what's been easy in the transition, all of that to say, to trust Eric. Because in the discussions, he understood our doctrinal statements, who we were, uh, what we've been about, who the church has been, because what we said all along is a great succession is the story of the church and the story of the senior pastor and the story of the community have to come together. So we were looking, we knew the community story and we knew the church's story, but we needed to know Eric's story. So we clearly communicated our story and the community story. And so we put ourselves in a place to say, who will match this story? So what was very easy because of the work that we did is to trust Eric in it. And I think that's a huge deal. Uh, so the leadership trusted Eric. 
Um, the staff had to learn to trust Eric because they weren't involved in any way in the transition. Uh, they, you know, the transition happened outside of their view. Uh, they just were introduced to Eric and then also the church, um, because of, of that. So that's, that's, what's been really easy. It's been very easy to trust him. What's been most challenging for me, it would be, it's not my way any longer. So when you're the senior pastor and you're at a church for 35 years, everything's your way. Can, I mean, can you say that again? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, and it really is. And so one of the things that uh, we did that was really smart is um, I think in the transition, literally my office, I have an office that's off campus so that I'm not around. And um, that's, you know, it just helped because I wasn't around. But, you know, no matter what happens, what's difficult is when everything's your way, you know, when all of a sudden it's a different way, that's true. That's always challenging. But it had to be somebody else's way because it's time. It was time for me to transition. So that's what's been easy. You know, I think anybody's going to say that's in my side of it. Yeah, you give up. You give up some things, but it's better because it's got a more exciting future. Man, there's so many places I want to go uh, with this kitten. So at some point in time, I may want to um, follow back up with just you and talk about sure. what it's like to be in that pastor emeritus position, because I know that they're, that's going to happen. Yeah, quite absolutely. Often. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the interesting things will be because the first, you know, the first inclination I have is, wow, I wish I could download and distill this into a course, you know, so I'm thinking already ministry. I'm thinking, mm -hmm. hey, man, we need to get this, you know, can, we need to distill this and get it in steps and, you know, all the things that uh, my mind typically goes to. But at the right. same time, it really takes uh, a longer preparation of the heart. So I'm also struck oh, by yeah. 17 years of preparation it took. Otherwise, man, you know, uh, I can't imagine doing what you're doing. I, I mean, you know, the you you must and be. Tyler, right, right if I did 17 years and have those guys asking me right. really hard questions, I don't think I would have made it. I mean, I'm, I'm as controlling as anybody. I needed to work through mm. some processes before right. Eric would have shown up. It, you know, Eric would have had to push me out the door had I not worked through some personal issues. That's good. That's good. All right. Uh, Todd, I, so, think, I think you should get Kenton uh, further because I mean, you, you and I know, and you, you consult churches all the time. He, he really went early. He's got, I mean, you can tell just by talking to him, he's, He's super sharp. Can can he? He's he preaches amazing sermons. Uh, I mean, he went earlier than a lot are going. And I am sixty five, Harry. <laughs> yeah, you're a young sixty five. You ought to see what he's wearing right now. He's a young. He's a young. He's a young sixty five. Um, so he, he, you know how young I am. I is ride a mountain bike. He's crashed like four times going over the handlebars. He's sitting here with his arm in a sling. I, I had to tell him, I go, look at you crash again. You need to understand. I'm not coming back. <laughs> if you break your neck here, buddy. So don't be doing that. Uh, <laughs> so, so is he like a, a West coast Paul trip, you know, dapper and dapper dresser? Uh, no, he, he, he's not, no, he doesn't dab. He, he, um, he's, he's been wearing the same shoes. He's been preaching the same shoes for eight years. He won't be on preachers and sneakers. I'll tell you that. Uh, and 
he's a man. He's just, he's laid back in that way, driven in for the glory of God. uh, But non-pretentious and he, he, he's aged well. He's taking good care of himself. Good deal. All right. All right. So what's been easy to transition? What's been hard? Oh man. May not make it through all five, and that's totally fine. I'm yeah, all right. Um, easy. I can't think of one thing that I wish Kenton and Lori would have done differently for Kay and me, or have not done. They've been. It's been. It truly. The first year has just been a an, a gift, and not just Kenton and Lori, but the team here, um, the leadership team that chose to trust me. The the elders that I report to that, you know, I'm one of the elders, but, but our relationships super strong. Um, it's, it's been a gift. The, the, the challenging, the challenging thing for me wouldn't be anything that the church has not done well, or that the leaders here haven't done for me that I wish they had done for me. It, it would only be, um, missing, you know, I, it was a trend. I think I can sometimes forget that I transitioned out of something. And so I left a team that you were part of that I had built, you know, over a, a seven year period of time and um, people that I loved and had done life with for a good run and um, people that I, that I love and that, I, that there was so much trust. Uh, I wasn't in the building trust mode. And so, you know, coming in and having to be back in the building trust mode and, and not, and realizing that people aren't assuming that your that your motives are, are right and pure in every conversation. That's, that's hard. You know, that's been hard, but that's not their fault. That's just the reality of starting over. Well, let me ask a, let me ask a follow-up question because you mentioned Kay and what a great job that they had done there with, with Kay as well. So what would you say would be some good learnings from that? Uh, two, two things that have met the most, for, for Kay, I mean, she could give a long list, but Lori is just super available for Kay. And so if she has a question, they'll, they'll, they get together and talk. Um, we have standing meetings set on the calendar, us four, them two, me and Kenton, we don't keep them all, but, but if we need them, we, we can. You know, Todd, one of the things that, that I, that we learned from somewhere, I think it was Dave Travis from Leadership Network, as he was going around looking at churches, this was a surprise that when it came to transition, he asked me this question. He said, whose who's blessing is the most important in a transition? You want to guess, Todd, or you want me to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> Just tell us. Okay, it's the senior pastor's wife. So my wife is Lori. And the surprise is what he said is that when they talked about it and they looked at all these churches from his perspective, the blessing of the senior pastor's wife to the new pastor and his wife is the single most important thing. So in the interviewing process, so we believe that, you know, we we just said, okay, that's true. So we're going to act like it was true. So one of the things that we did is Lori was vital to the interviewing process of Eric and Kay. And it won't surprise you since you know both Eric and Kay is that while Lori loved Eric, she really loved Kay and believed that. Most people do. 
<laughs> yeah, she believed that Kay was as you know equally called to it. And what Lori knew is she she has a great relationship with the church, but she could not stand up in front of the church and say, "I believe this is the right person," without being personally convinced of it. So her spending time with Kay and Eric was a really critical part. So in that, that was so intentional from our standpoint to make sure that. Lori could stand up in front of the church and bless them because everyone would assume I'd bless Eric because that was the decision. But the, but what we believed is everyone would look past me and look right at Lori and say, is Lori equally blessing of this? Right. So good. So, so good. she's done that for sure. And, and then the, the, the other thing is they really helped Kay and me, but, but Kenton, had one conversation with Kay that, that I, that is, I still see fruit of it today is to really help our kids fall in love with the church. So like we have this really cool lake. It's, it's, it's the size of a pond, but we call it, call it a lake. And yesterday I looked out my window, my kids were swimming in it. And that happened because a year ago, Kitten said, man, let your kids run around the campus, let them swim in the lake, let them, let them make this place their own. And so like last night they're, they're talking about how, how, how much they love their church, how much fun they had here yesterday. And we just, we felt that freedom f- from Kenton to, you know, even do stuff that was a little unconventional. You don't, you don't th- think your kids are going to swim in the lake at church, but they do. And, and that, that came from, that came from the, the nudging uh, of Kenton. Very cool. All right. Uh, let's get to our third question. How are you actively, passing the the mantle of leadership in in practical ways. So if we if right. we back up and we look at some of those maybe milestones or key points. Right. Um, so yeah, I'll that, do it. How- so three ways. So with the staff, with the board and then with the church because we did it totally different with the three groups. So in our in our transition, the staff was not involved in any way. They were told they would not be involved uh, they weren't consulted in it uh, because of, you know, they work for the church. You know, it's not appropriate for people to hire their boss. So they weren't involved in it in any way. And the way that we did that for them was it was a pretty um, hard transition in this, that we do a staff retreat every year. Uh, it just turned out great that Eric and Kay had agreed to come. The staff didn't even know it. And then Kay... Uh, Eric and their daughters showed up at the staff retreat and we introduced them. So they got to be with them in a non-working environment and play with them in the first part of the relationship. And Kay and Eric crushed it because they were, uh, they just were there wonderfully who they were. But literally what happened is while we were away on the retreat, my office was dismantled, which was now Eric's, and we redecorated it. So when the staff came back, there I wasn't I no longer had an office in the building or even on campus. His office wasn't he did not step into my old office. That office was totally redone. So it was a new office to the staff. And I never, I went only by invitation. If Eric wanted me to show up at a meeting, I showed up, but it was by his invitation. So the staff experienced a, a pretty straightforward transition, which is your old boss is gone, meet your new boss, 
welcome to your new boss, because that's a professional relationship. There wasn't a lot of handholding in that, which I think was appropriate. And I think it went very well because Eric then stepped in and then the staff wasn't looking to me going, well, Kenton, what about you? I was gone in all practical purposes. And really the only people that we meet with on staff is, is Eric and Kay. With the board, it was different because I said, I gave him choices, but I said, Eric, I'll, I'll do whatever you want if I were you. And then I told him what I would do. And so I said, I would, I'll come to as many meetings. I think it would be good for me to come to meetings through uh, for about five months and then a board retreat because he hadn't been on a board retreat to show him uh, how we operated But I came and I told the board that the first meeting, I said, I no longer work for you. I'm here (laughs) and I, I, I'm here only to be here for Eric. So don't think I'm here for you. I'm not a resource to you and I don't work for you. So that was part of the deal that they had made with me. And I said, I'm here simply to be with Eric and I'm, you know, only going to be here as long as he wants. Right now the plan is through the board retreat, but then if it's, if it needs to go sooner, I'll do that. So I did, and I think that was five months. And so I came to those meetings and then I went to the board retreat and never came to any more board meetings. So that handoff was a little bit more gentle because we, these are volunteer leaders and it was critical for them to, for Eric to come into, you know, something that was moving and he felt like he understood it, but at the same time had the freedom to change it. And I was there to help him with the church it was way softer. Hmm. So literally, uh, and this was something that, you know, was again, Eric's choice. He had choices. He could do whatever he wanted. Um, but the way we agreed together is I entered, I told, I introduced Eric to the church. He wasn't even here when I announced it. Then I introduced him. And, and so they knew who he was and he still didn't speak in front of the church for three weeks. So it was, and then the joke became, Hey, the old guy's (laughs) here. Where's the new guy? Why is, you know, get out of the way, old guy. And so we get it. But then, cause I had planned a series for the fall. So I, Eric chose where he wanted to teach in that. And he taught a few times in the fall, but I actually did more of the speaking, but then there was constantly handoff. But then in the key things, like all the Christmases, because one of the issues were, for my transition, literally, I could not, it just was, I dreaded the Christmas services and the Easter, you know, doing seven, eight services. It was like, I can't do that anymore. I just, I'm not that young. It was oppressive to me. So I said, look at, I'll do whatever you want. I am not doing Christmas. I am not doing Easter ever. So don't think, you know, I'm going to help you that way, but I shouldn't. And so for the church, they felt a much softer transition of Canton is still here. I get Ken, I get Eric, I, wow, I get the new guy, the old guy's not gone away. So for them, we orchestrated it that way. Yeah. And so just so you can see a lot of, I mean, a lot of intentionality and, and forethought that Kenton put into it and the directness and the moment. So one thing, one thing I've learned from him already this first year is he really is skilled at those marker moments and, and while some would say, oh, that, 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 is that just symbolism? It, it marks a memory for people. So like the moment, for example, on the board, uh, that I can still remember his, his, he opened the talk on Friday and then I, I, I basically led the talks the, the rest of the time. And it was definitely a marked transition, a marked transition moment. Um, so it was, 
it's just really, really cool to hear how he approached the church differently from the board, differently from, from the staff. Uh, it was, it was very well crafted. It was very well crafted. So, to, and, so and it was crafted to care for the people. It was, it was crafted for the sake of the people, you know? And I think that's, that's the one thing that has been the most refreshing. And I think for our relationship is, is both of us, we always are asking what's best for the people, what's best for the church. Kenton, I do have a, a quick follow-up question, and that is how, so inevitably, I would have, I would assume that at some point in time, shortly after Eric's transition, there was some decision he made or something he did or his kids swimming in the baptismal pond. Uh, <laughs> somebody, whether it be a yeah. staff person or a elder or somebody probably came to you wanting to complain about Eric. And, and so I wonder how you handled that. Yeah. Well, I handle it the way that I've handled that kind of a thing all of my life. That's not unique to a senior pastor. There are always people who are looking, you know, cause a church, especially a large church, you know, the, it is constantly evolving and changing and there is constantly people who don't like that change. So, you know, senior pastors are living in a world where someone's coming and trying to drive in a wedge, a point, an irritation of saying, oh, I don't like this. And so my response wasn't any different to those people at that moment than, you know, 500 times before it, which is, you know, you smile at people and you, you know, I'm happy to listen to a point. And then I say, basically, my first cut is to say, I love where we are. I love what God's doing in our church. And I love Eric and Kay. I mean, just, just say that. Then I look at them. If they want to say something <laughs> more, you know, I can say, I'll say to them, I love that you love me, but loving me means that you love Eric and Kay. And then, you know, go with that. And that really is a 95%, you know, kind of a reaction. You know, the more dangerous ones are staff people. And if a staff person came to me and tried to talk to me, I just look at them and say, you know, you don't want to do this. This isn't going to go well. Eric's your boss. That's not my relationship with you anymore. So I just drew a hard boundary real fast. So, you know, there's no love without a boundary, right? So you, boundaries are critical. So if you're not good with boundaries, you're not, you know, it might feel good, but you're destroying somebody. So I'm very good with boundaries. Good, good. All right. Uh, the next question is, you know, it sounds like you did planning very well, that you were looking at things in advance, you know, strategically aligning things, all, all that came into play. But what are some of the obstacles that have popped up that you all didn't see coming? And how'd you? Um, well, uh, I don't know you that well to tell you. <laughs> and I'm totally serious. Other I'm really serious. So I'll, I'll give you a generic answer that's going to feel like a softball answer. And you can decide if you want it. Okay. There were things that happened that I'm not going to tell you about because they were, you know, we understood there would be spiritual battles. Right. And we put a prayer team together and, and there was, you know, we took that serious. I mean, that's just God's word. And we did that right. 
about where things uh, things happened, we so did not see them coming, and they're they were painful, and they were they're just much more family issues within our church. Just I'm going to summarize them that way. And to talk about them, really, I, I just wouldn't be comfortable here. But they were painful and they were a surprise. And you, I couldn't have anticipated them because I tried. I mean, I had a team of people helping me anticipate for 17 years problems. Right. I did not see these coming. Um, but, you know, the answers would sound like Christian cliches, quite frankly. But y- you you know, you have to stick to what are your values, what you believe in, what you hold on to. Uh, they were, they were very dicey moments. Uh, we had to bring, you know, Eric was a part of those because we didn't want to bring him into anything he wasn't aware of. So, um, but some of those, um, are go back to even pre pre me showing oh, up, yeah, right? That's so what they were, it's yeah. this whole, it's the whole, yeah. you know, so, I mean, I, I'm, they the, had nothing to do with Eric. I'm enjoying the fruit of it, but, but there was a lot of pain that Ken had to endure before, right. before me, you know? So, um, like I knew of, of things, but it's, um, yeah, yeah. It, it I mean, it, it, the spiritual warfare is, is, uh, is a real thing. It's right. a real thing. It's the, it's the, man, this is the Lord's work and the Lord's church. So we know that the enemy is going to, going to, going to stand against it. Right. The, the other, you know, but in the transition, really the obstacles that, that we did, most of them, it sounds almost arrogant. And so that's why I don't want to answer it. Most of the obstacles that popped up were ones that were easily to anticipate, you know, people on staff, you know, they're going to look and say, wow, you know, can I get a listening to Canton? You know, is there a way to somehow bring Kenton into these problems? And so, no, there weren't. We didn't let leadership do that. You know, there wasn't any operate. We understood unity was critical. We know Satan would attack that. We were heads up on all of that. We had great boundaries and all those issues. Uh, does it mean we didn't lose a staff or two? Because, you know, you have to. They're just going to they're going to see it differently. They're going to, you know, make some mistakes. So, but we anticipated that. It's not like everybody's going to make it. Man, I agree with Lynn in that, that uh, all of the obstacles that have popped up have been ones that we would, that we would anticipate. And um, I mean, it, it we, we know that we're in a spiritual battle. Right. And, and, and that, that, and we also know we battle with ourselves, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, moments that I've had a struggle, a lot of times it's just my lack of faith or my, um, my insecurity, you know, it's, um, I, the, probably the thing for me that's been the, which goes back to an earlier question, um, uh, starting over and not having a, the team that I built, I just didn't have that, you know, the high level of trust and that's, it's coming more and more with people. So that was, you know, that you're a little off center there. And then, um, you're, you're always wanting, which I would continually want to do to defer to Kenton because of all, all you know, all of the wisdom and exp- I mean, you can tell, listen to the podcast. I mean, you got, you got, you're, you're, you're dumb not to want to listen to Kenton. So <laughs> you, uh, you feel, you feel, uh, you know, I haven't had that, you know, so it, it just was, it was just brand new. All of that was just new, but it was, but I, it was all the, the blessings of it were, are so much greater than the burdens of it. 
Oh, so the blessings good. of the transition are, are, are in the succession are not worth comparing <laughs> to the, uh, to the, to any, any burden or obstacle. You've probably heard about the movie Overcomer, but you may not know that there are a few books and Bible studies inspired by the film. One is called Define by Alex Kendrick and Stephen Kendrick, which is a book and Bible study based on insights from the book of Ephesians. You can find these books and Bible studies at lifeway.com slash overcomer. Okay, so I, I do, I'm going to punt the last question because we're, we've been on here for a while and, and I want to ask Kenton, you know, for someone who doesn't have 17 years left, um, hmm. you know, they don't have that much runway ahead of them. Maybe they have right. seven years yeah. or five years. What encouragement would yeah. you give them? What what practical tips and encouragement? Right. I can you tell you that really because I people ask me this a lot. I'm saying this a lot to people. I would get a group of people guys and gals that have made the transition that would force you to answer the legacy questions. Who do you want to be when it's time to transition? Where do you want the church to be? What do you want said of you? Where, you know, those kinds of questions, no one asks and there's no reason to ask them. But if you don't stop, even if you had two years and you said, where do I want the church to be in two years? If I knew that's when it was going to be, I guarantee you every pastor would do two or three, two or three things different than what they're doing right now, because they're saying the church doesn't have me. They're going to have to have a new person. What do I need to do to prepare for that moment for the church for the leaders and for myself. And just asking that question is the most valuable thing because what the biggest mistake, you know, pride is the mother of all sin. What is the pride every church has? We can get any pastor we want in the world. That's insane, you know? And so then they look at the top 50 churches in the nation. None of those guys want to go anywhere. Those guys are happy everywhere they're at. You can't get the top 50 pastors. And so, see, they think, but that's not who you need. Who you need is the best pastor for you. So you have to articulate, second thing, know who you are and be the best you are at who you are. And it takes two, if you didn't, if you just knew you were going to make a transition and you said, what would we be? Who would we be? Uh, what would we look like in two years as the best church? It would take you two years to get there. Hmm. You would have a mountain of work just to become the best church you could be. And then you're, then you've got somebody on the other side who's making their decision and they're going to make the one because they're going to choose you for the right reason. So it doesn't matter how much time you have, you can do the most important part of a succession. If you're asking the legacy questions hmm. and you're saying, what makes this the best church, the most attractive church, to the next guy. That's good. Okay. Boom. That's gold. That's gold. <laughs> I'm just, I'm wincing. That's so good. All okay. right. Gold. Uh, at some point in time, I am coming out there that way. Okay. You arrange that and with Eric. When I do. Hey, I got to run, Todd. I, I got to be here at the church. Okay. Thanks. Good to see you. you okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just about this. Thing. All right. Good. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. We'll see you. See you, man. All right, Eric. You can stay on for a minute. All right. Uh, I mean, I want to hang out with Kitten. He's, he's, he's legit. Are we still on the podcast? Or did you already in that? On the podcast. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you are going to, um, I think, I think, um, there's not a lot of guys who've already done what he's done. So no. there, there's some that are thinking it. So he's several years ahead. Claim to have done it. He, he's got, he's got some wisdom he, that I, I hope, I hope we figure out how to, how to get it downloaded into a, either a book or, um, he's, he's working on a manual now, which I think is going to be super helpful. Um, basically that shows some of the nuts and bolts that, of what Mariners did, which, which we're, I think we're just going to give it away. And so that, that it's, it's, it's going to be like a kind of a, you know, I don't know, 50 or 60 page that will have things like the timelines and, um, you know, how to set up a DNA document and things like that. So I think that's going to be super helpful. Part, part of it is, uh, what I was thinking about, you know, earlier when I was like, Oh man, I got to get this on grid. The biggest piece of it is, I mean, yes, that will be extremely valuable to a lot. Of no, I know what you're going to say. The, the heart is heart. Yeah. It's the heart piece. That's essential yep. because I, in my head to be completely honest in front of, I'm always honest in front of you, but in front of our, our listeners as well, the thought I had was I can't do that because some guy's going to take it, uh, and use it. And, and be like, no, I, I did all the, yeah, I went through all this and, uh, but not handle the question properly when it comes up. Uh, if, if they stay as a pastor emeritus, um, not properly handle when someone questions the new leadership, just like Ken said. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I love American K. I love this year. I mean, that was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, he's and, and, and as you're asking that question, I'm thinking, wait up! How many people have gone to you? <laughs> 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 he sounded really well rehearsed, man. Yeah, exactly. He said it. He said it like so easily. I'm like, whoa! Why, why are you saying it so easily? But <laughs> here's an example. I take a study break in the summer, and he told me before I took the break, he, and he set that up. He always took a study break every year. He said, Eric, this is what helped me start. Um, learning to take my hands off the wheel because I would in, in those weeks learn what it felt like to not um, control the day to day, you know, uh, to not be the senior pastor in the moment. And so he did a lot of things. This is why I think it'd be great to get with him more on, on the heart. He did a lot of things that intentionally helped him, um, helped him learn to, to, to release, you know? And so that was, He's very wise. He's very wise. Good deal. All right. Dude, how are you? Well, man, uh, I'm I'm well. Grid's going well. And are you gonna Are you gonna get another co-host now? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I like it actually because uh, I, I get to ask all the questions that I want to ask. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I miss, I miss hanging, man. And me too. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say goodbye to our listeners now and, and we can catch up for just a minute. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening guys. Thank you.